Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The war between Russia and Ukraine drags on. Now, there was a lot of concern at the outset of this conflict about the possibility that it would lead to the use of a nuclear weapon. That hasn't obviously happened yet, but is the danger still there? Would the use of a nuclear weapon automatically lead to escalation that could quickly get out of control? We wanted to talk more about this, so we caught up with Dr. Amy Nelson. She is a David M. Rubenstein Fellow in the Foreign Policy Program at the Brookings Institution, nonprofit public policy organization based in Washington, D.C. So before we kind of dig into the main focus of our conversation, I just kind of like to get your thoughts on this war in general. I mean, there was so much concern that Russia was going to go in and within a week topple the Ukrainian government, put in a puppet government. It would, you know, there were a lot of well thought out concerns about what we could see. And to me as a layman, it seems like it's almost been the exact opposite. What have, Are you surprised at how things have played out? I think that's right. I think a lot of folks predicted a, um, a limited conflict uh, over quite soon, um, regardless who the victor was. My nephew was kind enough to remind me the other day that I, I pre- predicted a much shorter conflict and that I was very wrong. At the beginning of this, there were a lot of grave concerns that at a certain point, we could see a nuclear weapon used by Russia. I don't hear that talk nearly as much anymore. Do you, were you concerned about that at the outset? And if so, has your concerns, have your concerns been raised, concern level raised or lowered since then? Yeah, my, my concerns have always been about escalation. It was difficult to imagine a conflict between Russia and Ukraine that stayed solely a conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Um, and we're in a gray area with the United States providing significant and ongoing aid to Ukraine now. But the goal of keeping NATO out of the conflict, um, ha- that has always been the goal and and. To date, it's been successfully achieved. So the conflict remains between Ukraine and Russia with some activity on on the margins and in gray areas. Of course, the announcement about um, Finland and Sweden joining NATO stand to change the calculus and the, the nuclear calculus. Anytime there's uh, a shift in dynamics, a number of players, how things are going, where conflict is being fought, the types of systems being used, we tend to return to this conversation about whether nuclear weapons would be used because they are the ultimate tool of coercion. If we were to see a nuke, what do you think is a likely scenario. I mean, we're not talking, I would imagine, you know, uh, uh, waves of missiles raining down. Are we talking most likely some sort of a tactical battlefield type situation or, you know, what would, when you're kind of processing the worst case scenarios in your head with the use of nuclear weapons, what's at the top? 
Um, so of, of course we always fear the madman hypothesis, which is a terrible place to start, right? So an increasingly uh, emboldened Putin who has nothing left to lose uh, makes a decision to lose use a nuclear weapon. Um, more like the more likely scenario, folks seem to believe, is the use of a tactical nuclear weapon in lieu of a strategic one. Tactical being a shorter range weapon essentially designed for use in, in theater, in a specific conflict, in a military target, for example. Um, and that, that seems to be the, the most proximal concern at this time. What could happen if we were to see that at a certain point? Is escalation from the West inevitable? Or could you see scenarios where perhaps that happens and the West doesn't retaliate in kind because I would imagine it as big as the first step is, the second step's almost as big when it comes to how these things can escalate now. Sure, an escalation is a choice, right? There's no requirement to respond in kind. Um, and uh, an attack of equivalent destruction could be inflicted with conventional weapons. It doesn't have to be a nuclear weapon. Um, our, our conventional capabilities are, are, are quite destructive or have the capacity to be quite destructive. If the if the pattern holds, the West will do whatever it can to, to prevent or forestall escalation, um, to keep the conflict contained. Um, where, where problems arise and where the West starts to look weak is in um, openly fearing escalation and making decisions or refraining from action in order to openly avoid escalating um, because it gives Russia the first mover advantage, which means that then it's incumbent on Russia to decide what, it, what it's going to do. And, and then the West is going to respond. Um, but it leaves very little room for coercing Russia into following international law, ending the conflict, or doing any one of the number of things the, the West might find appealing at this point in time. Situations like this, they're really kind of asymmetrical because you talk about the, you know, the West being concerned and worried about escalation, you know, but if you're constantly worried about what might happen, it takes a lot of options off the table and I'm not saying that so much as a criticism is just kind of, you know, real life. If you're worried about nuclear war, you obviously aren't going to go some places. But if the other side knows that they've kind of got the the advantage, no? Exactly. The upper hand in all this. Um, yes. And and that's been a concern. I wrote about this with my co-author in a piece early on in the conflict. We described um, the pattern of decision making coming out of the West as looking something like escalation, aversion. And the risk of sort of giving first mover advantage to Putin. We are the U.S. specifically, but you know, Western nations are being very open about the aid they're giving to Ukraine. You know, but they don't want to necessarily be involved. But in a way, isn't this a kind of a like this dance everyone's doing? That no, it's Russia and Ukraine, and Ukraine is just backed by you know hundreds of billions of dollars in equipment from all these other countries with the, the U.S. leading the way. It's, it seems to me, I mean, I understand the dynamic, but it really is just a, a little bit of a dance, isn't it? 
It is. And if you recall in the early days on, on Twitter, there were there was a steady stream of announcements from countries in the West offering aid or announcing their commitment of, of aid, weapons and systems to, to the Ukrainians. That's gotten a lot quieter and it's gotten a lot more vague. In the United States, it's the topic of conversation now or coming from the United States because billions were just recently allocated. But um, but the degree of specificity has decreased. And of course, the announcement about giving the weapons is not the same as the weapons being transported, arriving, folks being trained, Ukrainians being trained on those systems, and then those systems being um, operationalized on the battlefield. And that whole part of the conversation remains quiet. And of course, it should, you know, on a signal to your enemy what you're about to use and where you're about to use it. We need to take a break. We will continue our conversation with Dr. Amy Nelson of the Brookings Institution right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Amy Nelson of the Brookings Institution. When it comes to the concerns about nuclear conflict, and I feel like until recently, most of the concerns had been, in the last 20 years, I should say, had been from a terrorism standpoint. You know, one of these loose nukes or a suitcase nuke, somebody walking into a stadium and setting it off, stuff like that. It's been a while since there's been, like, serious concern of countries utilizing uh, a n- nukes. If we are going to see the kind of in a general, is it going to be in a situation like this and kind of... Uh, a conflict that at first you wouldn't think is a big deal to the layman, but it, it kind of involves multiple angles of, of of escalation and multiple countries involved in ways you don't think of. It's kind of straightforward, if I'm making sense. So two things about that. First is we have decades of theorizing about how and when under what conditions uh, a state or non-state actor might use a nuclear weapon. This particular scenario where one nuclear weapon state is facing off against a third party that is a friend of but not a security partner of countries with nuclear weapons doesn't really fit the the pattern of theorizing. Um, So, and the truth is all of this theory is meant to help predict and predictions actually really, really hard. Um, So relying on theory to dictate what's what's about to happen or to predict what's gonna happen is, is always a challenge and possibly a fool's errand. The threat of a terrorist using a nuclear weapon of course, isn't gonna go away. Right. So we see the return of super potential superpower nuclear weapon states using these weapons while the terrorist threat remains. It's just receding in the background because it's not a focus of uh, current policy and defense strategy. Um, maybe that maybe because the threat has receded, which is uh, an intelligence related decision. Um, or maybe just the the peer adversary, the risks of, say, China or Russia using a nuclear weapon, given the current state of competition, maybe that's just a greater threat and it's a question of prioritization. But the thing about that makes nuclear weapons unique in a way is um, the level of expertise and the layers of preparations that need to be made 
um, in order to have a nuclear weapon. You don't just simply right go out and buy a nuclear weapon. You practice enriching uh, uranium at home. You start to build centrifuges. Then you scale up your centrifuges. You need uh, scientists and engineers. You need parts and material. You need uh, um, raw nuclear material for the process. So it is a decades-long endeavor that is enhanced by time, money, and effort. And I'm curious, how much do we know about how the Russian nuclear arsenal operates? Is it something where it has Vladimir Putin tells a general and they go from there? Does he give, is it possible he gives command and control to certain weapons to to people in the field? Do we have a, a feel for kind of what the Russian decision tree would looks like? Yeah, I think there are folks better qualified than me to answer that question. So I'm going to I'm going to refrain from commenting on Russian command and control because I know there are folks that are more qualified than I am. But we do know what Russia's declaratory policy is. So every country that has nuclear weapons um, declares the situation or has become the norm to declare the situation, scenario or conditions under which um, they might use nuclear weapons. And the part that sticks out in Russia's declaratory policy um, right now is that Russia reserving the right to use nuclear weapons if uh, there's an existential threat to the very existence of the state. And that's really what people are focused on right now, because that can be interpreted in a number of ways. Could the crippling economic sanctions threaten the existence of the state and therefore justify the use of nuclear weapon? Could enough U.S. weapons and systems being delivered to the Ukrainians constitute a, a threat to the existence of the Russian state? Could the decision that Russia cannot afford to use, lose Ukraine under any condition constitute an existential threat to the state? So that's really been been the, the focus of concern. What are or I shouldn't say when you're when you're studying this conflict, looking at this conflict and you talked about how dynamics can shift and, you know, with Sweden, Finland joining NATO, stuff like that. Are there certain things you're really looking for? where you will really get concerned that this could escalate in a way that might not be so easily controlled? You know, are there are there certain statements out of the Russian government, certain moves by Ukraine or certain certain things you're looking for that will kind of tell you we've reached a level where we really don't know where this is going to go, even more so than where we are now? Yeah, that, that is a great question because um, statements that don't align with actions are not very meaningful. That said, the threat of the use of nuclear weapons is a signaling game. This has always been a signaling game or if it's treated as a signaling game. So you threaten to use your nuclear weapons to, con to coerce your adversary. Um, of course, a threat is is concerning. We might believe that Russia is thinking of using nuclear weapons, or we might believe that Russia is trying to coerce the West into, say, not enlarging NATO, for example. As you point out, that didn't happen with Sweden and Finland and talks of, of their, um, their joining NATO. Um, but then there was uh, a little qualifying phrase used, something like, if we see it was the equivalent of, but if we see NATO bases start to pop up there, 
we're going to deploy nuclear weapons. Um, The truth is Russia actually already has tactical and strategic nukes on the Kola Peninsula, which is just east of Finland and Sweden. Uh, They also have dual capable systems in Kaliningrad. So they're basically threatening to do something they've already done, which shows that they're not, uh, they don't have much left to threaten. How long, and this is just in general, you know, we talked about how a lot of people thought this was going to be over quickly and in a bad way for Ukraine. And we talk about how the script is completely flipped. How long do you just kind of see this going on? I mean, is this something that could drag on for months into a year? Will there be a certain point if things continue in the direction they're going that Russia will find a way to declare some sort of victory and... And like, you know, what do you see? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think that we are seeing this conflict protracted, obviously. Um, It's not escalating. Uh, Russia does not seem to have the capability to mount a new offensive attack, which means they'll continue reconstituting their existing forces in order to hold the ground they have. So barring the use of a nuclear weapon or something equivalently catastrophic, we're just going to see this conflict continue to play out in its status quo configuration. Um, and you're you're right to point out that the best off-ramp is an opportunity for Putin to declare victory. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 